I think it's formative, right? That that kind of when we bring those things to God throughout a course of our life, we begin to learn how God speaks to us, right? We begin to hear Him in a more clear way, I think, and uh, we we just grow in the ability to discern His will because we're always asking. Welcome back to Open Door Policy. We are so excited you've joined us today. My name is Emily Mentock, and I'm excited to be joined by... Once again, your co-host, for better or for worse, Father Patrick Gagno. How's it going, Emily? It's going so well, Father Patrick. How are you? Doing awesome. And hey, I just give a shout out, Mr. Mentock. I hope my corny joke, for better or for worse, it's in this context as a co-host of a podcast. Okay, let the bad joke end there. Emily, tell us something good going on in your life. Oh, you know, I just had the blessing um, to attend the LA Religious Education Congress in um, Anaheim. I was there for a different project that I work on, not for my um, work for the archdiocese, but here's what I'll say. Even though this the event this year, I was told repeatedly, was a, a much smaller than it's been in previous years, um, there, there were still about 5,000 people. And wow. I got to meet people who are doing just amazing work in our parishes, mm and schools, like volunteers and staff of people who are going there because they're so excited to come together and be in Mm -hmm. person together to um, learn how to sort of like serve better, like learn from speakers and authors and priests and just like be better catechists Mm -hmm. uh, serving the Lord. Like they're there giving so much passion. I was so inspired by just encountering some of these people, especially like the young sort of like fresh youth ministers, right? Like straight out of Franciscan or something on fire for the Lord and sharing Mm -hmm. with others. And so um, maybe for me as an extrovert and who loves relating with people, mm-hmm. just being there physically with people, hearing from them about the work that they're doing, what's going on at their parish was just an amazing opportunity. You know, as you share this, I think about when Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand, Matthew 4, when he comes into Capernaum and begins his public ministry, the kingdom of God is at hand. And the reality that, you know, really the kingdom is at hand and all these beautiful disciples of the Lord uh, seeking to help create ways that others can encounter, grow, and witness to the Lord, and being around all of these other uh, disciples that are hungry and passionate and moving, it just, it gives you that, I would imagine, like, so one way to say it is, like, it, it lifts you up, it gets you excited and enthusiastic, but you could probably take it even further, and, like, the enthusiasm, my first spiritual director said that that the, the word enthusiasm, like, the Greek and theos, like, it's to be in God, and, like, the holy enthusiasm power of the Holy Spirit manifesting in this group of people that the body of Christ, like really like what an experience of like the kingdom of God is at hand and to see how many people are actually like moving and helping in their sphere of influence, some one-to-one, some at a parish, some in other organizations, but doing things to actually help uh, the kingdom continue to be built up in this world. Isn't that phenomenal? Was it kind of like that? That's sort it, of it was, wow. I didn't, I've never heard that about that's what Man. enthusiasm means. So I'm so glad you shared it because I'm going to carry that with me, but you're right. There, there is wow. something just so great about doing that and in communion mm. with each other. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I love being out in the world. I love yeah. uh, bringing the gospel to places where, you know, mm-hmm. maybe if people haven't heard it as much or haven't heard sure. it as recently or haven't heard it with a smile or things like that. Um, but there is something just so wonderful mm-hmm. about being gathered with people of faith, just who can share their faith together and freely. Mm-hmm. And it is like that little glimpse of heaven, right? Absolutely. Uh, bringing that kingdom here, here on earth. But what about you, Father That's Patrick? So what's, what's been going on in your life? Oh, you know, I know our podcast uh, schedule, sometimes we record and it comes out at a slightly different time. But at this recording of this podcast, 
in the midst of the Lenten journey still. And one of the blessings of the Lenten journey uh, has been being able to participate in parish missions. With COVID, uh, thank you, Jesus, at this time here in Michigan, at least, kind of coming to a place where many people are getting comfortable going back out, being able to participate in parish missions and then seeing people, groups of people, come to a parish at night for a time of worship and adoration and a little reflection and knowing like this isn't Sunday morning. Like people are coming because they want more and being around hungry and thirsty disciples always excites my heart. And I find that people hungry and thirsty for the Lord, like the Lord always meets us in that and does wonderful things. And so to be a priest that'll get to preach and teach a little bit, lead some healing services, stuff like that. Like God just loves to meet his people in their hunger and their thirst. And I've been blessed in this Lenten season to be around hungry and thirsty people. And it's helped my own Lenten journey a lot to hunger and thirst for him more. And again, it goes back to that, like, ah, we're made for him. We're made for the blessed Trinity to, to I'll land my little airplane with this to, as Paul said, exist for the praise of his glory. What is it about that Deacon Fred Bellato? Like he knows he exists to, he exists for the praise of God's glory. His life has been consumed by the Lord. Okay. Time to introduce our guest, Emily. Yes, we are so excited to have Deacon Fred Bellato on the podcast today. Uh, he's currently at Our Lady of Victory Parish in Northville, um, and it's also working at the Archdiocese of Detroit. Uh, three fun facts about Deacon Fred. Uh, his wife, Serena, and himself have five children and six grandchildren, so there's always action going on at their house, especially with those six grandchildren, I'm sure. Um, he also recently served as a worship consultant at the Word on Fire Good News Conference um, and on the Good News cruise, which sounds super fun. So if we can hear a little bit more about that and what, yeah, the, just the, the opportunity to be a, to be a worship consultant. Um, and then his third fun fact was that he needs to have more fun, but the good news cruise sounds pretty fun to me. So yeah. I don't know if I believe him <laughs> and so without further ado, welcome Deacon Fred. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's I'm excited to be here as well. I've never been on a podcast before, so this is a, it's a first time experience for me. Uh, it's a lot of fun, this one, brother. Hey, tell us where, where you're from, how you came to know Jesus. Give us some of the Deacon Fred background. Well, I'm from southwest Detroit, grew up in the city. Wow. Um, went to St. Cunagunda grade school, St. Andrew High School. That's where I met my wife, Serena. Hmm. We um, got married young. She was 19, I was 20. And now, like you know, Emily said, we have five grown kids and six grandkids. Uh, the path to the Lord, I, I think it was mm. gradual. I describe it as gradual, Father Patrick. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, no, no aha moments for me, but just a steady growth in a, in a relationship with him. Right. So, uh, you know, growing up in the church, I think we, we had good examples from our, our parents and from the sisters. We had nuns back in school back then. So, I mean, they instilled in us a, a, a faith in Jesus. And I think, you know, I think, you know, really thinking back on on those years, I think the Catholic schools in that time frame. So, you know, I'm talking about the 70s and 80s did a good job of inspiring in the kids uh, a, a desire to do something, to give something back to the community. And I think that's what I take away from those years in terms of, you know, the, the, the need to actually respond to Jesus in a tangible way. Mm-hmm. Hey, Deacon, I love the I love the stories of disciples that came up and from a young age 
we're walking with the Lord. These are absolutely beautiful stories. Every, you know, every story of a testimony of a disciple has beauty to it. And uh, it's, it's wonderful that from the time you could walk, you were, you were blessed to be open to God and the time you had your rational nature, like, I mean, you know, came into the age of reason, so to say that you were blessed to, to be walking with the Lord as a Catholic. That's been your journey. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that, you know, I don't want to give the wrong impression. I had faith, but didn't always live mm-hmm. it out. Of course, you know, I sure. don't know, of course, but um, didn't always live it out. I think it was St. Augustine, correct me if I'm wrong, who said, make me holy, Lord, just not yet. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, <laughs> mm-hmm. so I think I've heard someone else say, uh, we ask for forgiveness before we went out, you know, when we mm-hmm. were teenagers and whatnot. So, you know, we didn't always live that faith out perfectly, but just gradually grew closer and closer to the Lord and felt that call. The reason I bring up, uh, you know, that Catholic school experience, we felt that call mm-hmm. to, you know, to committed discipleship, intentional discipleship mm-hmm. that kind of grew over the course of a lifetime. Getting married at 20 years old. Do you think that having that faith base be pretty somewhat enough solid? Do you think that really helped you to pull that off getting married that young? I think definitely. I think one of my prayer experiences from back then was, you know, Serena and I wanted to get married. I know I really wanted to get married at that. I had no doubts that I wanted to get married at that age. Mm, It was just a matter of how, like we were young, didn't yet Mm -hmm. have a job that could support a family. And I can remember clearly, even right now, walking down the streets of Southwest Detroit, praying to the Blessed Mother to help me get a job so I can, so wow. I can get, you know, Mary Serena, you know, to actually pull that off at that point in time. Wow, how wonderful. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I think so. Yes, certainly, you know, faith has been a, a big part in a relationship with Jesus. Even, you know, I, I want to emphasize it was gradual because that's really the, the, the most important thing wow. I could share, I think, about this journey. But like discernment, you know, whether to get married or not, um, mm-hmm. job changes, you know, that's always been a big part of, you know, when you have a family, it's, it's not just, we're th- we have to be concerned about everybody. It's, mm-hmm. you know, we were a single income family and uh, you know, supporting seven people on one income. Mm-hmm. So those job changes were always a, uh, a point of discernment, right? Took that to the Lord. Should I do this? Is this the right move for me and for the family? Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that, um, you know, discernment, especially like as a young adult, right. That like, it's it's such an important part of your relationship with God, I think, because trying to just navigate life consumes so much of your time and energy and just trying to like get started to to start building your life. And so inviting God into that, into that part of your life saying, okay, where, what should I do now? Can you please help me? I don't know what I'm doing. All those things. It's just such a, I think, especially for people in like their late teens, early twenties, authentic part of like turning to God, because you really are like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I I know Mm. that I can rely on you, God to just like come into this and help me figure some of that out. So I think that discernment, especially at that age is like, yeah, probably one of the truest forms of a relationship with God and Jesus or the blessed mother that you can have. Well, I think, I think it's formative, right? That, that kind of, when we bring those things to God throughout a course of our life, we begin to learn how God speaks to us, mm. right? We begin to hear him in a more clear way, I think. And uh, we, we just grow in the ability to discern his will because we're always asking. 
yeah. who gives it to us. Doesn't let us down. <laughs> when know, you were, <laughs> who taught you some of that discernment? Did you have any, I know you're, you're, there was not that like one mm-hmm. aha moment, like to, total conversion moment, but did you have any um, witnesses or, you know, role models, people that you looked up to um, who modeled that discernment for you that then you knew like, okay, if I ask the blessed mother to help me figure this out, then that I trust she'll come through. Well, I think the saints, Ignatius of Loyola, right? The Ignatian uh, discerning God's will, Ignatian spirituality, St. Francis de Sales um, in particular. I think those two really helped to make me aware of the the possibility of having this relationship with God and how to go about it and nurture it. So I would say uh, those two uh, saints really did have an influence on me. And I also think that there's something in there about this whole journey, and it's it's a journey anyone in family life can experience, does experience, right? We There's a spirituality in family life that I think we need to talk about more as a church. Hmm. And what I mean by that is we talk about the great saints, these spiritual masters is who I'm thinking of right now, Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross, and, and so on. And we, we they're monks sometimes. They're cloistered nuns, and they achieve these 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 great uh, heights of spiritual discovery in those environments. But I think that can be done in in family life as well, and that's where uh, the influence of Saint Francis de Sales and Saint uh, Jane de Chantel have influenced my life. Mm-hmm. Right when we're going through these experiences, we're we're laying down our life. Right, Jesus calls us to lay down our life. Yes you know, uh, for one another. And you do that in family life, right? We're doing that for our wife, our our husband, whatever the case may be, our children. We're giving of ourselves as Christ called us to. And there's great spiritual growth. And again, that's why I call gradual is my word, right? It's just over time. Wonderful. You, 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 he forms us right in this way. Uh The word gradual, you know, it makes me think of virtue as well. Like, gradual in the right way you're moving the right direction and slowly but surely and staying steady i mean that it's it's such a desire of our hearts that we would all be steady in a life of devotion and and our 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 path with the lord it's something you wrote about family life you said family life is a vocation and it's a path to holiness family life is a vocation like we're called that you know this call from god husband and wife and then St. John Paul II would talk about the vital cell of society as family, this call from God, like expanding God's family, right? And uh, this path of holiness. Take us through, you're like 21 years old, and then all of a sudden all these children start coming along because God and God is giving you the gift of this, like for you and Serena, like here's our love made walking and talking, you know? Take us through those years. I'd love to hear about it, like what that was like for you and Serena, like, you know, uh, raising children that your experience of that, and I know it continues now with grandchildren and adult children, but your experience of that vocation to family and that path of holiness. Well, we had all of our children by the time I was 29 and she was 28. We had five, right? So um, oh, still had a lot that of That sounds so fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fun. It's like, I think some of the growth there is, is uh, learning that becoming fun. Um, ah. we, especially when the kids get into school, right? So we're, we sent our kids to Catholic school, which is a challenge with five of them. Um, wow. I always say my retirement plan is at Catholic central. I hope they're <laughs> take me in someday, but, uh, you know, so that's, it's that sacrifice giving of ourselves and not, I think, so here getting back on this idea of the, the spiritual growth in family life, you, we become 
detached from money to some extent. We have to be <laughs> in order to do that. I, I made a good living in the auto business. I'm not crying about that, but still, it, when you put five kids through Catholic school, there's a lot. It's it's just a lot to pay for, and it's a challenge. So um, that that experience helps us to be detached from money, to put our trust in the Lord, that the Lord will provide what we need. So that's one one example, I think. Also, parish life. So when we put our kids in Catholic school, as anyone who's done that knows, you got to get involved. So there's another giving of the self. It's not like public school where everything's covered um, you know, by state money and, and we need to fundraise. We need to have fun fairs and coach CYO sports and uh, run a fish fry and a fa- parish festival. And, you know, those things at first uh, for me, and I know for Serena as well, it was a bit challenging, you know, you're, you're raising five kids so who wants to go at night and then work a, a fun fair. But those things form us and they, they, we build friendships from them, right? We met so many people during those years at St. Edith and mm-hmm. Livonia um, that are still our friends today. Mm-hmm. Really deep friendships. And all of us really value those things. We, we see each other now. Everybody's in the same phase of life. And, and uh, I think we're more retrospective. We think, think back on those times and really cherish the friendships that we formed during those years. So I think the, I don't know if I'm answering your question clearly enough, but like all of these experiences, uh, you know, they brought to us spiritual brothers and sisters, which I think we mentioned here in the beginning a bit, uh, which we need, right? So I'm connect this to the discernment, discernment. So gradually over the course of years, um, I felt the Lord calling uh, me to more intentional discipleship, like really committing to something mm-hmm. uh, to help build his kingdom. So that ended up being the diaconate towards the wow. end, but I'm not there yet. Right. So I remember anytime I hear a really good homily or read mm-hmm. scripture, a moving scripture, uh, praying with scripture, I would get this burning sensation in my heart. Wow. And I just felt, well, everybody gets that. Mm-hmm. But one of my spiritual brothers that I met through the experiences I just shared, you know, through St. Edith's CYO and all this volunteer work, uh, I shared that experience with him. And he said, well, I don't get that. So I, uh, the reason I tell that story is, well, okay, my spiritual brother is telling me he didn't get that. Maybe the Lord is really trying to talk to me in a unique way here. So mm-hmm. I need to pay attention to this. And that's, you know, that's been a, a big part of my life when I'm, you know, if I'm writing a homily now uh-huh. or giving a talk or doing anything that uh, is in ministry and trying to discern what to do. I'm always conscious of that. I'm, I'm looking, if, if my heart starts to burn, I pay extra attention to that. There it is. So good. I'm going to alley-oop it to Emily, but I just got to say, Deacon, like that, that what you described about the, the giving of self that for the children, for your wife over all those years, like it is truly a participation in the sacrifice of Christ as a priestly people that, you know, laying down our lives, like the pattern of, Christ laying down his life and you're sacrificing your life, laying your life down. I'm just finding, I think this episode, I pray for married couples listening is deeply inspiring to them. Like laying down your life. You always, you always get more by doing that. Can I, is that accurate, buddy? I I think so. I like to St. Pope John Paul II taught the law of the gift. You know, he said that our being increases in the measure that we give ourselves away. 
Hmm. But when you're married and have kids, you have to give yourself away. So it's like you're kind of it's like a virtue factory, whether you want it to be or not. You know, (laughs) so uh, virtue factory. That's that's such a good analogy, too, because you're giving yourself away. But it's also where God's calling you to go and receive his love, too. It's not it's not just all like give, give, give. And then Hmm. you're expected to then go seek it elsewhere. It's sort of like. Not not an exchange, but just it's mutual sort of self-gift. Even even mm. from like, I mean, I don't have kids, but I have a lot of friends who are kind of in the past few years, especially have become first-time parents. And it can sometimes be a challenge because you, you know, when you you know you need to turn on that self-gift in a different mm. way, especially when you're taking care of like a new little baby who totally needs you, even in a different way than your spouse needs you. And then sometimes I've just heard from from them sharing it with me that they 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 are not receiving the same sort of support in the same the way they were before because their life is totally different now they can't go mm. hang out with their friends and get their cup filled with like the communion of hanging out at a bar or something yeah. like that in the same <laughs> way uh but what they've the one the ones who i've talked to who then where it really starts to click for them is that yes they have this life of gift for their spouse mm. for their family that is just starting to you know begin but that's also where they need to go to receive god's love through, through like that same space which is again this hasn't been quite my experience yet but it's what i've heard and it's i feel like i'm getting that from your story of this like factory it's not just for you to put uh, in love and outcome be five amazing children <laughs> <laughs> but also where you're going to go and receive god's love through your relationship with each of them right it's it's reciprocal right reciprocated i guess you know comes back at us and i think like the whole idea of married life as vocation i didn't realize that until much later in life i didn't know that the church considered it a vocation and i I think maybe if i didn't i always feel if i didn't know well maybe growing up my whole life in catholic school i didn't know that so maybe others don't know that and it, it really is i think it's helpful to think about these things that are sacrifices in family life as as much as they bring us pleasure too i i may want to make it sound like it's it's miserable it's not it's it's joyful but it forms us we grow spiritually we do come closer to christ right we we have to discern and 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 pray and trust in him and in his providence and we see that when we see that played out in our lives it really uh we encounter him that way and we come to know him as a person you know who has you know, multiple vocations, I guess, you know, multi-dimensional vocations, your, your vocation to be a husband, your vocation to be a father, your vocation, you know, in your work, even now, you know, serving in the church, but also your vocation as a deacon, how would you sort of like describe having that feeling the call between your vocation to Mary Serena, whether you would have described it uh, at that time or not, maybe like, as you realized it when you got older and then the call to um, discern the permanent diaconate. You know, I think it was different. I really do. I think, um, I didn't have the commitment to get married was really never an issue. That was not something that I was discerning. Um, I had to see what Serena would say about that, but (laughs) I knew I wanted to marry Serena and it was a matter of how and when, you know? And uh, so I really, we, we were together for several years before we, even though we were young when we got married, we met in high school and our families, um, grew up together in Corktown. So our, our parents know each other. We're almost, we're not cousins, so don't get, get the wrong. We're <laughs> kind of like cousins, you know, we're both from the same heritage. We're both Maltese and Italian, you know, so a lot of common commonality there. So um, I think the discernment there was more for, is the timing right? Um, asking the Lord to help me to find uh, the right job to to be able to support a family and, and so on. 
but the diaconate was a different call because it's you have to discern the commitment and we don't discern it alone serena and i have to discern that together if one's wife is not on board the diaconate is not the right place <laughs> so because mm -hmm. it's a sacrifice that it involves everybody the whole family really mm -hmm. but i think like the vocation of marriage in that you were just talking you were talking about it emily about uh, the challenge of letting go of things that time with your friends or you know you'd rather go to the bar tonight than to the fish fry or something mm -hmm. like that <laughs> you that kind of letting go that's ministry right that's surrendering it's it is ministry and it's it's it, that builds us up and makes us able to do that i think in deacon life is to let go of maybe going to play golf this day and because we're going to go baptize some babies or something after mass you know what i'm saying it's it's easier to do because we did it already mm. that, wow. that married life built us up that's incredible and uh i saw that you you and your wife do uh, wine and pizza with the engaged couples. I'd love to hear. We'd love to hear about some of your ministries as a deacon. Take it away. Yeah. So that came out of COVID. Hmm. We were, the offices were shut down. I've been a deacon only two years. So like hmm. six months into being a deacon, we got a pandemic and we can't come to the office. And yeah, I'm doing my, I've only done, uh, presided at seven weddings so far. So <sighs> Uh, you know, it's a first time thing and I want to meet these couples and, and get to know them. So rather than we couldn't come to the parish offices, so we had them at our house instead. Mm. We would have we have pizza and wine and a nice discussion. And that's just caught on. So we now we do it with every couple. We invite them over and have an evening together. And uh, it's a great opportunity for faith sharing and you know, mm -hmm. bearing witness to the faith, having meaningful discussions that uh, the couples appreciate too. I, you know, at first I'm, at first when you're sending out that email or that phone call saying, "Hey, do you want to come over for?" And you're thinking like, "What's this guy want?" No, this deacon guy. You know, he's we already went through marriage prep. We've wow. done all these things, but the couples don't react that way. They actually, mm -hmm. it's a fun night. Yeah, and it is a night of faith sharing and and uh, of a good conversation that I think yeah. we often struggle to have these days. Right, mm -hmm. a full conversation. So that's been a great blessing to us. I think there's such a great opportunity there too, because, you know, in marriage prep, um, I mean, I know it looks, it looks very different, different dioceses, different parishes, different, you know, whoever you're working with to get married, but it can sometimes feel like you're being talked at because they, you know, they want you to understand know what you're getting into. They want you to understand the principles of it. You need to be catechized in marriage if you're going to commit to it. So I understand the importance of that, but I can totally see how um, for couples, especially, you know, when you're, when you're getting married and you feel like, okay, this is sort of like my next step in adulthood or a really significant milestone in my life to have a couple like you and Serena kind of have you over and treat you like, you know, more accompany you and just talk to you as people like as, Hey, we're, we're a couple committing to live our lives together and for the Lord and come over and just like, learn about that. Talk about that in a different way than, you know, sort of just learning what the catechism says about marriage, which is also important. Uh, <laughs> I can see that being a really important, well, like grounding experience where they can, they can also get a glimpse of your mm -hmm. life, not just from what you're telling them in marriage prep, but really like right there with you guys together of what married life, uh, living your life for the Lord can look like. Yeah, I think um, it, I, we're always amazed at the thoughtful questions. And it's not just questions, the 
they're, they don't have always questions. They, they share they share their life experience and we learn from them as well. So uh, they ask great questions. They tell great stories and we share uh, this time together. I think you describe it well. It's just a conversation. It's a night together with two couples. And it's, it, the marriage preps already happened, um, but it's, it's centered around faith and about on the uh, centered around the whole mar- marriage experience. So it's been it's been a great blessing to us. As have so one of the best experiences of being a deacon, I think, at, mm. at a high level, is the diversity. Right, we we do all kinds of different things, right? All kinds of different ministries, and in this marriage uh, marriage prep, and just the fact that we can preside at a wedding, we've been greatly blessed from all those friendships that we formed over there at Saint Edith and Livonia back in the day when we were coaching and working those festivals and whatnot, yeah. and all those people. Well, all those kids. Our kids are in their, one of our oldest kids, 40 years old, <laughs> and our youngest is about awesome. 28. Um, yeah, Emily, I could, I could, I'm old enough to be your dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, so what's happening is all those kids that we met, you know, that we've known since kindergarten in some cases are now getting married. And I, uh, I just recently did a wedding and presided at a wedding is the proper way to say it. I think so. <laughs> Celebrated a, a wedding, witnessed it at the Basilica of St. Anne. And the place was just filled. The young man was uh, uh, had gone to, to school with my son, Joe, since kindergarten. And it was just filled with people from St. Edith. And it was just a blessed experience to be able to be there with them, to walk with the J.D. and Allie uh, through their uh, marriage prep and, and their, their time together leading up to the wedding. And to be able to celebrate that sacrament with those people in that great place. You know, that's a, it's a great blessing. So God keeps us going, you know, he gives us that energy and and blesses us with those experiences. It almost seems like the same sort of like, yeah, like little, uh, what was the word earlier about the factory? Now I can't remember. The virtue factory. Yeah. The virtue factory. It almost seems like the same sort of, I mean, a different way, right. Cause you're at a, it's a different stage in life and de- the you're, you're just new to being a deacon, but the, the virtue factory um, that you were experiencing almost from like marriage and family life, you're also getting from your vocation to the diaconate that the same thing, this, the, what, what you're being called to give and serve. Like you said, if you have to give up a, a Saturday to go do a wedding or something like that, that you're, it's so clear how your heart is open and receiving the graces that God wants to give you through that in the same way that God's asking you to share his love to the the couples that you're walking with or the families that are there or the babies, the families of the babies that are being baptized and things like that. So you're, you're, I'll just be very honest with you, Deacon Fred, this like powerful witness of how grace can flow through you and like back to you by just authentically living your life joyfully and openly to wherever God might be calling you to is so inspiring. Inspiring. I, I'm just, I'm really amazed. And I think that's, you know, something that we all have to remember that when we ask God for a mission, God's going to give us that mission. And when we live it out, God's filling us with grace. God's filling us with his spirit. He's sharing with us his own divine life. What an awesome thing to think yeah. of, right? You know, so good. Receive, that is an awesome believe thing. in Jesus and, and uh, he makes wow. us children of God, right? Gentlemen. I love it too. The, the Friday's coming up the feast of the solemnity of the annunciation with like, totally like, here's your mission. You're going to be filled with grace and go like a total life change. And for Mary to say yes to that the same way, you know, it, uh, in a, Amen. in a way that 
again, it seems like just the way you're sharing it here, your life is modeled really similarly and your enthusiastic yes to mm. God in all the ways that he's called you. So thanks for sharing that. So good. Hey, Deacon, tell us about uh, your love of the word. You, at Madonna University, you teach the gospels and uh, I'd love to hear about, but you know, just your reflections on like the power of the gospels, your love of the word. Take it away, buddy. Yeah, I am. I love, I'm moved by the scriptures. You know, that is like uh, what I, in, that's where I find God is in the scriptures. The Lord speaks to me through the scriptures. And, and uh, you know, this is like I mentioned earlier, the blessings of the diaconate life. So I become ordained. Let's see where I'm on the timeline. Let's say I'm a, or, ordained in 2019. I finished my master's at uh, Sacred Heart in July of 2020. And I had sent a um, just an email over to Madonna saying, hey, you know, if you could use anybody to I always wanted to teach in a university. Right. And I don't have a Ph.D., so I don't even know if they'll mm -hmm. want me to teach. I, I really don't know at this time. So I fire an email over there and they politely decline. But this pandemic hit <laughs> and uh, they, oh, need, wow. they needed someone to go on site. And I really wasn't, you know, I was OK with going on site. Let's just wow. And they asked me if I would teach one class, the four gospels. So I jumped at the chance. And I, I think it's it's an awesome experience because, you know, I felt like the Lord's calling me to to um, kind of evangelize that 18 to 40 year old. I'm attracted to the young adult formation. Wonderful. Okay. And um, here I am. I got a captive audience for three hours <laughs> and listen to me and it's been a, it's been a great experience. I've, um, you know, I sometimes say I preach more than I teach. Oh, there we go. I can't help it. Um, you know, <laughs> but, but uh, it's, you know, being able to share the gospel and bring out, unpack the deeper meaning, the spiritual meaning, you know, it's important to teach, you know, certainly the academic side of things, you know, the literary structure and all these things, historical context and whatnot, but to really like go ahead and unpack the words of Jesus, his parables, and what he was really teaching uh, to that age group. You know, they're all 20-somethings for the most part, and with some adults too, but it's been a blessed experience. You know, I feel like I've always wanted to do it, and the Lord put it in my lap. Some might say, unleash them. Unleash them, yeah. Better <laughs> unleash them. Sorry, Father Patrick, back to no, you. No, no, that was awesome. Praise the Lord. So when you're teaching the scripture, do you find that, Fred, that Deke, that you're you're paying attention to like, oh, there it is, that burn in your heart and just lean into that and break it open there a little bit. Do you, when you yeah. say you preach more than you teach, do you find that it becomes really like, I'm going to pay attention when I get that burn in my heart and release this? Yeah, I think the way it manifests itself in the classroom is you, you go off the rails. Ah, they yes. love it when you go off the rails and you tell them a personal story you know, and mm -hmm. kind of try to stay connected to what, you know, the, the topic for the day. But that's when that happens, you know, really just sharing and experience, you know, like I told him that experience that I told you about my friend validating or affirming. He didn't mean to do it, but he did it, you know, that the Lord was speaking to me that way, you know, and and kind of encouraging them to listen. How is the Lord speaking to you in your life? So, yeah. Uh, have you had a moment in the class, part A and part B, where you've seen where you can tell, like you can see in their eyes, like, oh, my gosh, like this person has like never heard this before. Like there, there's a light in their eyes that they're, they're coming alive at, to a level that you can tell like, wow, like there's something going on here. And have you had a time where like after class, somebody said like, I've never heard it like that before, something like that. Well, um, 
you know, Father Patrick, all I have is the eyes right now because they're all wearing the masks. So, yes, I've definitely seen that in their eyes. And I also I asked them to write a reflection paper uh, on their image of God. What is your image of God? So I take them through the prodigal son parable, right? That's a classic for kind of presenting God as father, right? And then after that, the assignment is, well, what's your image of God? And how has it, how has it changed? And yeah, to your point, yes, you see the light bulb go on from time to time. I find the kids are a little bit, I think it might be a, a cultural thing, you know, just the way uh, things have evolved lately, a little bit reticent to say anything in class. <laughs> so the struggle is getting them to express that in front of their peers. But when you can write it in private and share it only with me, they open up a little bit. So awesome. yes, definitely, Father, to answer your question, yes. You sharing about them writing it just took me back to like high school. I had this one really impactful um, teacher. She taught New Testament. She was also just like a fresh young adult. She was early 20s. She couldn't have been much older than we were sitting in class. Um, and is the New Testament class. And we did the same thing where we always had to write little reflections. And there are things um, of those reflections that at the time I didn't realize it, but I know now like is what, you know, kind of God was putting on my heart, revealing himself, introducing himself to me through like even the, that homework assignment um, that like when I, those got some of those gospels or parables come up again now, you know, literally many years later, I will remember like what I thought, like sitting in high school, thinking about those things. So I'm sure that even if they're not expressing them out loud and, and I, I didn't probably in high school either, right. that they might be sitting in mass five, 10 years from now, even next year and remember, Oh, I remember when I, you know, reflected on that for school and like, that was God, I'm realizing now how God was speaking to me in that, in that moment. So I'm sure you're mm. doing really just incredible work, laying a foundation of faith there um, for those students. And now I know where you get your inspiration for your UTG Detroit gospel <laughs> reflections that you write from your students. Yeah, no, yeah that's awesome. another thing. So thanks for asking me to do that. I really enjoy writing those as well. It's, um, a, it's a different sort of captive audience. And especially on Instagram, you said you have a heart for like how, how to bring the gospel alive and the formation of young adults. And, um, you know, part of the work for Unleash the Gospel is done right there through, through new media, because we know that's where we're going to reach people sometimes, um, even, even if they're sitting in mass, just so that we can reach them when they leave mass too. Um, so we're really grateful for, for the reflections that you're able to write for us there. Mm -hmm. Um, we always like to ask Deacon Fred, um, especially to sort of after you've just shared so, so much that is so good and beautiful about, about your life and the way God has worked through you. We're so grateful. Um, looking a bit ahead. Um, we like to ask people just a big question about what is your dream? Um, or it could even just be, you know, what's something that you're looking forward to something on your heart that you're excited about, um, that's coming up, but we would love to pose that question to you. Um, what right now is sort of the dream that's on your heart from the Lord? Well, I I'd say it's, it is a dream because I just don't know how to pursue this yet. Um, but it, it's centered in that family idea of family spirituality. Like, um, I guess in the big dream sense, is God calling us to an apostolate to make this known? I don't really think it's known. I mean, you know, maybe sometimes mm -hmm. when I, I get an original idea, I find out it's not so original. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like, you know, I, I don't know. I've been trying kind of paying attention my whole life. I have never seen that encouraged in the way I'm trying to express it. And, you know, like that, look really at how family life and, and friendships too, it's not only friend, family life, right? But in the whole 
lay experience of the laity and family life, how this is a path to holiness. And I think if we paid attention to it, uh, we could draw strength from it and really uh, grow in our relationship with the Lord and see that stream of grace that's coming to us to, to live this way and to even give more of ourselves to, to our family and in the community. So I, that's kind of like the big dream thing. Um, I guess now that I said it, do I have to do it? I guess so. I think it's kind of unconditional. We had a sister on the podcast last week, share that her dream was heaven. So, you know, she's got to make it now. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that dream with us. You can read. I, I will say that. And again, I haven't, haven't had the quite same experience of family life, you know, yet, hopefully God willing one day, but, um, I, I haven't heard anyone talk about it in the same sort of like vocational way that you have. And I've heard a lot of friends going through it now. I've read about this, you know, working in the archdiocese, but it, it definitely has been, there's clearly the Holy Spirit kind of like working in your heart for how you experience family life, how you share it. And then hopefully, you know, maybe one day for the stream, um, get to share it with others even wider. I'm going to pray on that and discern it. <laughs> and perfect timing because we would also love to ask you uh thank you so much for your time mm -hmm. Fred. um but we'd also love for you maybe start start that prayer for the dream and for our listeners um you know maybe who are also now discerning about their own sort of experience of family life um if you could lead us in prayer in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit amen heavenly father we hear your call during this lenten season to surrender our hearts to you to surrender the very core of our being to you. And we trust because scripture tells us, we trust that a contrite and humble heart you will not spurn. We know that when we come to you in this way, that you will fill us with your grace, with your wisdom. You will enlighten us. Help us to cling to that. Help us to know that when we invite you in, when we ask, we receive, when we seek, we find, when we knock, that you open the door. We pray in confidence, Heavenly Father, that you hear our prayers and that we know that when we ask you for the gift of your spirit, that you'll give it to us. Help us to live in that joy and peace. We ask all these things, Father, in the name of your Son and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give a special shout out for your beloved daughter, Serena. Thank you for how she has helped uh, this wonderful man of God, Deacon Fred Bellotto, grow in holiness uh, and become a wonderful deacon. And deacon, may we have your blessing, please. Heavenly Father, I ask you to bless my brothers and sisters and all who are, are listening to this podcast. We pray that you bless them, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and send them off in peace to proclaim your word by their lives. Thanks be Amen. to God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to another episode of Open Door Policy, where we hear stories of different joyful missionary disciples in Southeast Michigan and how they encounter, grow, and witness in their love for Christ. You can find more episodes at unleashthegospel.org slash podcast or on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, or Amazon Music. See you next time.